Hello and welcome to episode number two of Nothing and Like It. Yes, they let us come back and do it again. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about the FWA and its adventures on television. I am Kieran LeFort and joining me on this journey, uh, the Rochdale Road Warrior, Andy Ogden. Andy, how you doing? What a rush. That's all I've got to say, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be back again, mate. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and also, uh, our other co-pilot uh, is Glasgow's greatest ghostbuster, Eddie Sideburns. Eddie, how are you? <laughs> We're ready to believe you uh, by the FWA. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, uh, I, I love that first episode, so I'm really excited <laughs> to go again. I can tell you from personal experience, don't ever believe the FWA. <laughs> <laughs> the money is just resting in the account, Kieran. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it was uh, stealing from my overdraft. But we'll get to that in a while. <laughs> um yeah we don't really have to run down who we are or what the company is this time around i think that was all taken care of in the previous episode thank you to everybody who listened thank you to everybody who sent us lovely feedback about it um so yeah we're going to carry on we're going to ride this through to the end i guess (laughs) or until we've had enough or until we hate each other because we watch too much fwa um the only thing uh i was going to say is kind of try and put this in context of the wider wrestling landscape and the only thing of note really going on at the moment is the invasion has started in the WWF. So DDP has been revealed as a stalker. Booker T has thrown Steve Austin through the announce desk at King of the Ring, then had his match with Buff Bagwell well and truly shat on by the Raw crowd. And uh, plans are underway for WCW Raw, which I'm sure will happen and turn out just fine. <laughs> Amazing show, Kieran. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, there's a bit of uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey to deal with when it comes to the the TV on this episode because uh, there was something of a sort of unscheduled break. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. There is something else we need to address. Uh, I have correspondence from an inside man. Uh, we have our very own deep throat, the FBI version, not the Linda Lovelace version. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if this person wants their identity revealed, uh, but they kind of cleared up some stuff uh, from last time. So I mentioned before that the FWA was initially started out of this weird sort of little network of promotions. So FWA South was Mark Sloan. Um, FWA Midlands was run by somebody called Kev O'Neill, who I think we will see wrestle on these Portsmouth episodes at some point. FWA Midlands uh, ran three shows, apparently, and then just disappeared into the regular FWA. Um, Capital City Pro Wrestling that we mentioned before, as I uh, I called it an Alex Shane joint, uh, it was, yes, Alex Shane, but also Elisar Cabrera under the name of Cab Kennedy. They ran exactly two shows, neither of which were actually in the Capital City. One was in Hartford and one was in Barking. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, EWW, as we mentioned, was uh, Stu Allen and Jamie Club, who was that spirit of instinct man who turned up before. They apparently fell out uh, towards the end of 2000 that may or may not be something to do with the documentary that aired on Channel 4 that we will get to in good time. <laughs> we mentioned before that uh, the first TV show, first TV taping, had 19 matches on it. Uh, in fact, it was two shows just in the same day. 
So they had an afternoon, they had an evening. Which makes much more sense than just running 19, episodes, 19 matches back to back. I was about um, to say, that sounds like a Ring of Honor, uh, AEW, uh, yeah. dark, dark and Dark Elevation, <laughs> yeah, all in yeah, the one does. day. Yeah, um, and they were always intended to, to be TV tapings for six episodes. That's what those two shows were intended for. Um, I don't know why Ross Gordon said 13 episodes on the first one. Then. Um, and they shot all the backstage bits... Um, uh, before the first show and in the break between them, um, you somebody asked where um, Adam South went to. Do you remember the, uh, the backstage interviewer who looked like a game show host? Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, he is apparently playing the role of Sting. Uh, not that one. Not the one with the face paint. Uh, the one f- uh, from the police in uh, 5-0, the police cover band. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, apparently, so he, I'm told he's from Blackpool and he used to pay his own way to come down south to ring announce the shows and uh, apparently is, quote, a top lad. That's good too. And he used to stop at every red light, didn't he? You know, like the police song. <laughs> um, I think I'll do for now. There is a, there, there's more information, but we shall, we'll get to it as we come to it, I think. Uh, yeah, but it's, uh, it's very interesting to have a, <clears throat> to have a spy feeding us information so we should probably talk about the tv episodes we're going to cover episodes five through eight um one final thing uh remember the dominator and his edge and christian squad from last month yes forget them that was their only appearance and we never see them again <laughs> yeah i was i was re- i was like when i when i was going for all these episodes and i I'm just like where's the creepy weirdo guys mm-hmm. and and just nothing happened and i was like Right, okay. Yes, yes. This is again, these are the these are the guys who uh uh who may have parted ways over something said on Channel Four television. <laughs> so, all right, that's enough nonsense. Um Episode five is July the sixth, two thousand and one. Uh we are still at the Portchester Community Centre. Capo Khan, Mo Chatra, is in the ring saying that two weeks ago, which isn't true, uh he was beaten up by quote rash and perv. Uh, he has a promo full of lame one-liners. Uh, I enjoyed him trying to front up to the fans, but they're not having any of it <laughs> and just shout him down in the middle of the ring. He says he's going to introduce a new, better tag team tonight, and by the end of the night, a new breed will be dead breed. What does that even mean? <laughs> I think he also called them the inbreed. Yes, I'm he does sure. call them the inbreed, yes. I'm, I'm sure he must have, well, he should have called them the inbred. That's the proper word, isn't it? Probably yeah. hailing, from, hailing from Burnley. Uh, he, bur- <laughs> <laughs> he he buries the team that he brought in by calling them Pompey Gironis. Yes. Um, there's two lads above the, the, the entrance that I was just staring at. One was reading what presumably looked like the script. The other you could hardly see. Um... <laughs> Uh, he he said he had five words for the fans cheering. The white coats are coming. Yes, right. Okay. Um, yeah, and he just <laughs> it, I, I just don't want. And then like obviously you have Mark Priest calling like Mocha. Oh, Capo Mocha Mocha Capo. I don't know why they didn't just keep him as Mochatra. I, I don't even get the whole thing. I, I just don't get it. <laughs> hey, I, and then they roll the intro, and everyone again looks like they have bloody jaundice. In it this. It's yeah. definitely a filter over that. I am curious to find out if that title sequence ever changes. 
or if we're just going to be subjected to these same terrible clips over and over again. The, the few music gets in your head. <laughs> Maybe I'll swap it out one episode. If I can find a good enough recording of it, I'll swap it out for the uh, what I know is the classic FWA theme that we open this show with. Kieran, I happen to um, click on to like, um, you know, a later episode and the um, opening titles do change. Do it's they? Not just the re- red tint. Okay. Good news, um, because for the series I made, they don't. <laughs> I made one title <laughs> sequence, and I kept it for 26 episodes. <laughs> uh, so Mark Priest and the Photoshop 1.0 tell us that tonight we're getting Scott Parker versus Alex Shane in the semi-final of the title tournament. That's still going on. Uh, we get a quick recap of Parker beating Guy Thunder and getting his ribs, quote, broken in six places by Doug Williams and his piece of scaffolding. He recovered from death, literal death. <laughs> yes, you did ask scaffold. last time, how many ribs do you even have? <laughs> Um, so we go straight into Scott Parker versus Alex Shane. Uh, Parker's got the DDP tape on, but he still leaps through the curtain on his entrance, showing no obvious effects of this uh, injury. He does clutch at them as he gets into the ring, though. Um, we are told that his valet Angel and Shane's women have been banned from ringside, which seems a bit sexist, seeing as Alex Shane is allowed to have four big men in leather jackets standing in the aisle. <laughs> I, I think I think I've put it down here. I went. Uh, the women were banned, but his security were kept outside. I call shenanigans and sexism. Yes. Um, <laughs> Shane does indeed have four women out with him, all of whom are dressed like their office workers going for a drink after work. <laughs> <laughs> this is not glamour. This is very much Portchester Community Centre, two thousand and one. <laughs> I think the commentator, Mark Priest, calls them hoochies. He does. Hoochies, yes. (laughs) Yeah, but Alex Shane has a different word, which he can't use on family-friendly TV. (laughs) And do you know what? That's probably true. Uh, they do the nice spotlight shot we liked again with... Uh, oh, the, the Lars Sullivan, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, as well, mm. the fan cam, when uh, Scott Parker comes out, tries to read, uh, you know, the signs in the crowd mm-hmm. where he has all the vision of someone who's been on the piss. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fan cam is usually drunk cam. Yeah. I am sure all the five foot six inch men on Tinder loved hearing Priest call the six foot six inch Alex Shane almost seven feet tall and won't get laughed at when they tell their dates they are almost six feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he big shows or cane, he canes himself into the ring, which I like he does the over the yeah. over the run like that. Yeah. I don't know what he, it is. Yeah, well, he is the height of the ropes, isn't he? He's lit. I, I think he is you know, <laughs> legit. He's a tall guy, <laughs> For all of what we're about to talk about, I put this down, for all intents and purposes, he absolutely looks the part. He does. Annoyingly, yes, he does. (laughs) Yeah. Knowing what a fucking garbage human he is. (laughs) Yeah, but like, in this show, like, any any episode that we've watched so far, Mm. when he's on, it's something that's kind of memorable. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he he, he has that charisma, whereas Mm. some of these people don't it's you know it's yeah. zed level acting um compared oh, we'll to, get to some of that <laughs> oh, oh i can't wait um but yeah he's just honestly just he's he, he, he's he fits the part of this and mm. what he's doing yes yes i hate to give credit where it's due but yes <laughs> what, what, what one thing i also want to point out about um alex shane this i think this is when the bell starts you can just hear this faint voice in the crowd go Alex Shane sucks. Mm. Alex Shane sucks. 
you could hear fans at one point cheering for Scotty Rock, Scotty Parker, sorry. Mm. And one of them says, "That's a fake tan, Scott." And I was like, "What? Why are you bringing up his tan?" <laughs> I, think I, I couldn't even see a tan. He looked like a ghost. <laughs> um, so they start with uh, another of Alex's favourite ways to begin a match, which is the who can get most cheers posing on the middle rope spot that always ends with the heel attacking the baby face while he has his back to him. Uh, that, that, that's the camp. That's the camps for you. Yeah, it's, yeah, very much so. The Butlin's beginning. Uh, Parker, though, is all over him. Arm drags, crossbody, atomic drop. Drop kicks Alex in the ass to send him to the floor and then a massive like Undertaker tope over the top. Um, slam, standing moonsault, then goes to the top where Shane shakes them ropes to crotch him. And if you're keeping score from last month, that's the third time this spot has been used in the same corner over the course of this TV taping. <laughs> Shane Session. I thought, he, I thought he connected with it really well. He, yeah, he, I, I, he, I made it look good because he, he actually managed to hit Parker square in the chest with it rather than just sort of wave his leg over his head, which is what usually happens. But but what didn't help though um, after this was um, I did put the chair shot was limper than a wrestler's handshake. Yes, and right in front of the referee. Oh, yeah. don't don't don't! I mean, I was angry. He's uh, fucking. I don't. Is, are, are FWA matches under no de- no disqualification? Do these referees have licenses? <laughs> I, I'm, I've never been more angry at the entire performance of referees. In this, these a couple of episodes, I'm legitimately heated. It's not like a case of I'm doing this for a laugh. I'm legitimately fucking heated by a lot of it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to all the stuff that gets your ex ref hackles up. Oh, I just, oh, oh. I'm gonna, Stop I'm waving gonna, the rule book at his webcam. Um, yeah, I'm going to bring out the shirt the one day. The shirt like, on. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off comes the Bret Hart hoodie, on comes the referee shirt. This, this oh. is. It, the indie wrestling of 2001 and like hardcore is still going on yeah like and don't forget they were trying to be a little bit uk ecw mm. which was always very relaxed when it came to rules yeah. and weapons and all the rest of it um, yeah it makes sense uh parker reverses a pole driver into a backdrop and they they brawl backstage and we hear the sounds of chair impacts as shane's security stand by and do nothing uh, and then Alex staggers around, staggers out with a chair attached to his head. But where is Scott Parker? The answer is he is on one of the two balconies in this small community centre <laughs> uh, and dives off onto Shane and the Leather Goon Squad. Um, looks to be a good, like, 10 to 12 feet. It's a decent yeah. drop. Big, big distance, this one. Um, Priest on commentary says... Uh, that was like five cars being hit by one flying car. On the motorway, it's called a pilot, but here it's called FWA action. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, I've put pile up FWF. Scott. Scott Parker from up above. FWA chance. Pile up FWA actions. <laughs> oh. uh, so they do some more stuff. Uh, Scott accidentally whips Shane into referee Hayde Vanson in the corner and hits a stinger splash that also sandwiches the ref. And then seems surprised when there's nobody to count his cover. Shane chucks Parker out the ring. Security attack. Uh, Guy Thunder appears. uh, Hits the ring. Spears Shane. I implore you not to look at the mess Parker and security are making of their spot on the outside. (laughs) But Parker somehow drops the lot of them. Gets back in. Escapes the one night stand. Hits the golden arrow, which is his falcon arrow. He does the golden deal. 
uh, and gets the pin. Boy, those injured ribs really hampered him, eh? Wasn't able to do any of his normal stuff. I'm not even sure Alex Shane's shoulder was down on the pin. Um, but uh, the punches that, that the, the, the bodyguards are giving Scott Parker. Yeah. My God, that is like an old man trying to start a fight in a pub. Shane's security squad were very often beefy lads who were still training. So they were people who weren't really ready to be wrestlers yet, but like hanging around with him and like getting to stand at ringside and watch those matches, like gave them that little bit of experience because for all of Alex Shane's many faults, particularly later on, his matches tend to be the most psychologically sound on the card. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a good like learning experience to to kind of stand there and watch all this stuff, I guess. And you know, you're getting your face on on the show. And history is now just a footnote. Everything else is useless. We have rewritten the history books. And then Mark Priest makes some weird noise because he can't summon up in words, which just sounds like <laughs> that's right. Yes. Uh, ad break. A little ad for the sh- upcoming show called No Surprises. Have you ever considered what a stupid name for a show, No Surprises, is? Why would you go? <laughs> no point buying the tickets. Not going to be any surprises. I'll tell, I'll tell you what wasn't a surprise, Kieran, just going back to the end of the last match. Mm-hmm. I put three, three and a half stars on that match. Bloody hell. You're generous. I fucking loved it. Really? Okay, interesting. <laughs> I like Shane Walken, brawls. Big fan. Yeah, I forgot about that. You do Why? Just out of interest, why? You've mentioned this to me before. You can't take your eyes off his matches. Okay. I know it's like Eddie's a big fan of Jeff Jarrett, but it's very much in that you just can't take your eyes off it. Just a lot of bollocks going on. Just Let me just uh, yeah. write down both co-hosts like overbooked shite. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey yeah, 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 yeah. Any Jeff Jarrett TNA main event is a great, great sure. clusterfuck of shenanigans. They are, and yeah. I. I can very, very much see the similarities between the two, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm team... I think I'm team Ogden on this in terms of how I feel about <laughs> Alex Shane's matches. They're just, as said, and I think you've said it yourself, he, the psychology of it is yeah. crisp, and it will get to even more. But as I say, because he has that charisma, he has the idea, he has the... You know, he starts off simple with something that you would see on a camp show, and... It, you know, it's entertaining. I don't think for a moment in any of the Shane match, there's a bit where it's boring and your mind's going to go elsewhere. Sure. Okay. I don't think I... I think I struggle because I have seen a lot of this stuff. Well, you've seen near enough. There would there'd be points where I'd be on tour for a week and see him do the same <laughs> match every night for a week with a different local baby face. Mm. Um, and there are personal and business uh, reasons in there as well. Uh, but I do think... I certainly wouldn't rate this that highly, but I do think in general, and it gets better as we go on, the FWA in general has a reasonably high floor for in-ring action when it comes to independent wrestling of the time. Yeah. I think the outright stinkers are reasonably rare, but we're not going to see any classics for a while. No, I mean, I think the, the only classic, and I think you guys may agree with me, that we've seen proper would probably be Doug and Jody. Yeah. So far? Yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, Blue Mini, by the way, and, and the PS1 loading game screens for the ads. <laughs> Great. 
It is like FWA the video game for the PS1. Those are those. It uh, really is. I wonder what FWA the video game would be. Probably on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, going by their budgets. <laughs> um, right, we spent far too long being nice about Alex, Alex Shane. Uh, so the new breeder in the ring. Uh, they tell Khan's team to come out, and that tonight's match is now under Breeze rules. It's no DQ and no count out. The team are. Unfortunately, not Jeff Capes and Jennifer Lopez, as was speculated <laughs> on an episode of Bree TV previously. They are La Familia, uh, Jorge and Alex Castano from Colombia. So we can add another UWA refugee to the list in uh, George Jorge Castano. Yeah. Uh, Priest and Khan, unfortunately, both pronounce uh, the G in Jorge hard, making him Jorge, <laughs> which is very unfortunate. <laughs> Uh, they come out to another theme tune that got reused over the years. Um, I think George is the one with the long hair. If you see them side by side, they're facially very similar, these brothers. And actually, with his little round shades on, I'm going to end up calling him George because that's how I knew him. Um, he actually, to me, he looked a bit like Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> <laughs> I've put down one of them looks like a Make-A-Wish Bret Hart slash X-Pac. <laughs> that would be George. <laughs> Um, La Familia come out some music you'd find on a video game in an arcade very much so yes um, the very angry man who didn't like Scotty Rock last month is back and apparently he also <laughs> hates Colombians as well as the traveller community <laughs> <laughs> after what feels like about 25 minutes the breed jump the Castanos and we have a tag title match so, New Breed versus Jorge and Alex Castano, FWA tag title, no DQ, no countout. This is not super easy to follow in VHS quality when three of the four participants are wearing black short sleeve tops, black long bottoms, and have long, dark, wet hair. There were bits when I thought Curve was fighting himself. <laughs> <laughs> the only one who's not dressed like this is Alex Castano, and um, it's very quickly exposed that he's rubbish. He can't run the ropes, and he can't do a flying head scissors. Or oh, that the unorthodox takedown, what they call it, it looks wild yeah. and awkward yeah. at one point. It looks like he lands him on his head. Yeah, the head mayor takedown. Oh my god, <laughs> he's <looked> like perpendicular <laughs> It turns out the only thing he can do is an Azai moonsault, which is why he's employed, I guess. Which the cameras nearly fucking miss anyway. Of course. Um, elsewhere in the building, in the darkness, Curve comes off the stage uh, with an elbow drop on Jorge onto a table that uh, was imported from Japan, especially. It does not budge. It's called um, Curved Air. Well, yeah. uh, Priest says it's a variation of curved air, which is just a backwards elbow drop, and this one was a sideways elbow drop, also known as an elbow drop. The table, I am the table. I yes, am. very much. Curve prevents Alex from doing a top rope Frankenstein with a low blow that Priest calls a thumb to the bum. <laughs> that made me laugh so much I gave myself a coughing fit. <laughs> Uh, we get some unprotected chair shots to the head, which are always funny in hindsight. I've got to do two two of the lads look exactly the same. Pretty sure one kicked out of two after getting two chair shots to the head. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Ash does a shit version of Rob Van Dam's draping leg drop over the barrier that almost connects. Uh, we're told a pile driver on a chair almost gets a three count, but we can't see the ref in any camera shot, so we just have to take the commentator's word for it. He probably grew long hair during this match as well, so he just fitted in with everyone else. Do you see the moment where like, the new breeder being up one of the Castanos and the other one's just on the apron just watching? Just, yes. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we cut away to the crowd in the middle of a breed double team, so God knows how long it took them to set that up. And then when we come back, I couldn't even tell what it was because of all the black hair and indistinguishable black clothing. Uh, Alex puts one of the breed into the barricade. The other one puts himself into the top of the ring post. Uh, two of the men in black vests have very helpfully taken them off, so while they still look broadly the same, I can at least tell them apart from the other one. <laughs> Uh, Curve has a brain fart and starts sitting Alex on the top rope when he actually wants him sat down in the corner. Uh, and then they put their, they make them hold their chairs and they're going to go for the, the linchpin, the, the, the van Terminator. Um, Khan, though, shakes the ropes and for the fourth time on this taping, <laughs> it leads to a turnbuckle crotching. <laughs> Uh, and then the Castanos immediately hit a sloppy version of the Dudleys back suplex into a reverse neck breaker and get the pin. And we have new tag team champions. Uh, they beat up the breed some more. Uh, Jorge spits and stamps on the belt and Priest mispronounces Bogota as we go off the air. And that's the end of episode five. <laughs> We're out of time and the breed are out of fashion like flares and it's a dark day in FW. Apparently so. What, what I realise is they do this at the end. They do the lights out and then have the spotlight on and i'm just like baffled by the fact that that's always at the end i think it's 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 to highlight the winner isn't it you know the, mm. i guess that the lighting board has the same preset for intro and outro <laughs> yeah. uh, is this one three and a half stars andy uh no uh, no <laughs> um, a couple of my notes on um uh, on this match i did point felt like four trainees having a match and trying out moves they'd learned in the playground Yes. Yeah, I think that's a very accurate review. Yeah. Um, and also, it wouldn't go remiss to without saying about Priest uh, reciting his experience of going to Bogota in uh, Colombia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buries the whole company, country he, even. He, he hates the entire country. He goes on about being robbed and stuff and, and all this. and Maybe he Columbia's was robbed in Colombia. He, he, he says the national anthem of Colombia is "I love you, Colombia," which I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it is. I'm just going to go by two, this guy's idea. There were two lads in the audience as well with the with the Colombian flag who'd flown all the way. <laughs> I don't think they've flown the whole way. I mean, that's got to be just like, like we have Bognorigis, Colombia. You know, <laughs> the match. Like I'd say, that's it, it, it's like it basically is like four lads have watched like a hardcore like. Like a Hayabusa like tag team match where people have done a lot of high spots and went, well, let's let's try and do something like that again. Uh, uh, FWA was the moves company, and they were still trying to ride the end of the death of ECW, weren't they? Uh, the uh, national anthem of Colombia is just called the national anthem of Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> Himno Nacional de la República de Colombia is all Yay. I can find. Yeah, it's not called I Love Colombia. Uh, our credits list has expanded further. We now have writer credits for Elisar Cabrera, Ross, Hu Ross Hutchinson and Alan Boone, as well as special thanks to On The Lot Forwarding at Pinewood Studios, which as far as I can see is Pinewood's freight forwarding and courier company. So I wonder what Elisar needed shipped for him while he was doing the edit. <laughs> Episode 6, July the 13th, 2001, our final show from the May taping at the Porchester Community Centre. We get a very speedy recap of Parker getting attacked by Doug Williams in Episode 1 and then Guy Thunder helping him beat Alex Shane last week. And tonight, Williams and Parker collide in our main event, the tournament final, for the FWA heavyweight title. Mm. 
Angel is helping Scott do press ups by the fire exit. Williams is apparently <laughs> doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I would have loved it if someone went up with me. That's some real safety as you're going to go and do that elsewhere. <laughs> uh, and Williams is doing his boots up in what looks like a primary school staff room. <laughs> Uh, Mark Sloan comes to the ring, but he is interrupted by Andy's favourite segment, Breed TV. Oh, fuck me. Breed TV, <laughs> Breed TV, all the damn party. <laughs> well, this is where the, because um, Starnos get um, the, the, like two cheeky monkeys or something. Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was a bit racist or not. <laughs> I know, oh, I was thinking that, I know. Early 2000s, yeah. yeah. Our, 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 uh, our uh, man on the inside said these two were like this all the time. That's why they had these segments. Like this kind of bouncing off each other was going on all the time um, to the point where they were very funny, but they could take it too far and be quite cruel yeah. to people. Um, so they are feeling down because they lost the tag title, but they have their toys again and they show us using the figures what they're going to do to the Castanos. Um, much shorter and more to the point than the previous episode. However, I think there needed to be another one before this to establish the formula better because this was only the second one and they were already talking about how this one isn't like normal. Like this had been like an ongoing thing, but in six episodes, we've only seen one more of these segments. Um, again, where is this chemistry when they are wrestling? <laughs> Uh, Mark Priest is annoyed about being interrupted by him. All, all I can yes. just hear is the Womble Superman and Batman. I'm like, right, okay. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll tell you what, to fill your toy wrestling federation, you just find any toy going of course, on. No. I, use, I mean, I use Ghostbusters. Yeah, I think I said before on your show, Andy, like I, you know, I watched wrestling as a kid and I played wrestling with my action figures. I never owned a wrestling figure as a kid. It was all like the He Man ones because, you know, they wore trunks, boots, and had massive muscles. They already like, looked like Splinter. wrestlers. Yeah, Let's yes, exactly. Been <laughs> uh, forgot to mention uh, last episode, all of these are shot in LSR's living room at the time. <laughs> Mark Sloan versus Paul Travell. And because it's 2001 wrestling, this has to be convoluted. The winner of this gets to choose a partner and they will get the first shot, the Castanos, to the tag belts, not the champions who lost them last <laughs> week. Um, did you hear about uh, where um, Priest said um, Sloan hailed from? Uh, nasty school. Yes. And then yeah. Oh. Yeah. Babies and rattles. Where the first two classes were surliness and poking people in the eye. <laughs> I'm saying this style of commentary is not for you, Eddie. This was just one of those bits where I was just like, what? Like at every moment he was talking nonsense. And then like, obviously I get he's trying to put Mark Sloan over and like goes up oh, a no, nasty school. Or not, <laughs> not put him over, but just kind of talk about him. And there's like stuff the guy's missing and he's like, poking people in the eye. Surliness. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, and then he talked about Lucha comes from Portsmouth. Oh, yes. Yep. And uh, I was just annoyed the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, it were, um, some people say Lucha comes from Mexico, but tonight it comes from Portsmouth. <laughs> and, and Mark Sloan during this match just gets battered. He gets battered on the arm drags. He gets battered in the baseball. I've just called him a jabroni. And I know the guy. I've met him and I've worked for him once. So like, I feel really bad about saying this. <laughs> fuck me. I don't feel we should hide our feelings. Um, he does get a little bit of offence. So he gets, uh, like you said, Travell gets the better of him wrestling-wise and then Sloan chops him really hard in front of some 10-year-olds in the front row. <laughs> um 
Travel does a plunger, which is where all the lucha talk comes from, and then there's a suplex in the ring as Priest reminds us that he, Travel, is single. Then, for the fifth goddamn time, the heel shakes the ropes, crutching the baby face on the same fucking corner. <laughs> so... Tell you what, they must have been doing a good deal on bloody Raul Jacks, a fiery jack that night. He's thrown on the nuts. <laughs> there is, there is clearly no agent. <laughs> yeah, no. Yes, that's what's already done, brother, for the show. Yeah, uh, Sloan hits a really nice superplex. As Priest implies that the specialist needs to put an ad in the paper to get women, and then takes the piss out of Linsky for being fan slow. <laughs> I, 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 there's certain bits where I'm listening to Priest's commentary and I'm like, okay, he's just burying people now, right? Okay. He is. Just go uh, with it. <laughs> we, there are, we, as we will go on, we will talk about <laughs> certain people who got buried a lot in different ways. <laughs> um, he then goes off and on about a caravan swerving on a motorway as sort of this backhanded compliment to Sloan. And this is where I wrote, this has gone full Chris Morris. Which is fine for a colour guy, but he's trying to be the play-by-play man as well. And I don't think that character can be the play-by-play guy. He's doing both. Yeah. It, he's, he's he's trying to do Joey Styles, but it, it's, it's yeah. not working. Yeah. Because he's let, Joey Styles wasn't a character, he was a commentator. And then he did all the odd occasional stuff. But this guy's bringing his character more over into the commentary side of things. As we go on, there's bits where he just doesn't talk about what's happening in the ring and just talks about something else. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many of these he would have to do in one go. I mean, there would be certain points where you just... I think after doing it for so long, you would just have had enough and just be trying to entertain yourself to get through it. Like, you just got to think of things to talk about for, you know, half an hour at a time. Yeah. Um, uh, for example, Paul Travell is our Luke Skywalker here fighting the Darth Vader of Mark Sloan. <laughs> As Sloan quite blatantly kicks Travell in the nuts in front of the referee to get control back. Uh, mm. Sloan gets a German suplex, a super kick, and a very ugly cover for two. I think they get confused about a spot in the corner, but then rescue it and redo it, ending with Travell hitting a leg lariat. Uh, as Priest uh, reassures us that he himself is heterosexual and says Travell is showboating for dragging Sloan across the ring, <laughs> Travell hits his nice T-bone suplex, bloodshot splash off the top rope, and this desperately average match is over. <laughs> and then Pyro goes off on two corner posts for no reason. <laughs> Which I thought was a very strange way to celebrate someone win- winning a singles match to become number one contender to the tag title. That was the budget gone yeah. from the series. Yeah. I have a theory. We'll get to it later. On the Arn Anderson Spinebuster scale, because Travell hit a decent Spinebuster, mm. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where Mark Priest says, this is a brawl. In a bar, it would be a bar brawl. But it's in a ring, so it's a ring brawl or a wrestling match. And I was like, right, okay. Um... <laughs> And then <laughs> the more I'm you just, talk about it, the more I'm surprised you agreed to come back and do a second episode. I think we killed Andy. He's dead again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then keep seeing, and I don't know if I'm missing, mishearing this, but he calls it a special kick. Yes. And I was just like, right. And there is also the, the special bomb. Right. Okay. Which is his, um, uh, sent on Atomico over the, the, the Eddie Guerrero thing over the rope. 
someone in their might piece the Linsky would have said you're facing the wrong fucking way when they're raising his hand because he's not looking at the hard <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the commissioner is wandering backstage with the title belt as we go to break in front of a ladder trying not to bump into the camera Mm. Uh, back from the break and she is in the ring they have removed her surname from the graphic so she is just Victoria rather than just add the missing T to her surname so she goes from Demon Fort to Demontfort they just remove her surname so she is Victoria and I know you're thinking there is a more famous Victoria in wrestling but Lisa Marie Veron doesn't debut with that name in WWE for another year after this. Uh, this show is so old, Victoria's outfit is back in fashion again. <laughs> it's it's very much um, Stephanie McMahon. Yes, yes. Um, she insults the crowd and they chant some very young male wrestling fan in 2001 things back at her. Stuff that I am very glad we no longer hear at shows. Yeah, uh, only, there was only two I picked up, which was um, the We Want Puppies chant yeah. and Do My Dishes, which, oh my God, I, I just put, fuck me, yeah. this is sexist. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that the, those people would be booed out of the building for today. Yeah. Oh, they'd be, they'd be gone. Am I common assembly respect women, you Jerry Lawler freaks? Fans chant Do My Dishes. I think over the, over the course of doing this podcast, we are going to hear... A lot of stuff that is simply not acceptable anymore. <laughs> yeah. Not just directed at the female characters. Mm. Um, she completely fucks the stipulation by announcing Scott Parker as the challenger. This is the tournament final, remember? <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, before she can announce Doug Williams as the defending champion, he attacks Parker from behind in the aisle, and our tournament final is on. The ref isn't even in the ring by this point. The ref's just behind them. Yes. <laughs> Which may, I think that adds to the realism. That makes it a bit more like impromptu, it. doesn't it? I um, like it. Even though it's, well, to me, I think that this was supposed to be the final, but I like it. It's yeah. just quite interesting. Um, so Williams beats up Parker, accidentally hurling himself to the floor, trying to clothesline Scott over the top rope. <laughs> Scott Parker is the FWA. He is those ropes. He is those turnbuckles, but not the canvas as you'd be walking on his face. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry, Alan, <laughs> but I can't wait for Tony Giles and Nick London, and I don't even like them. <laughs> who's, who's Alan? Who's this Alan you speak of? All I know is we're talking about Mark Priest. Fair Doug enough. has plans, blueprints for when he wins, and it spells anarchy, and I'm just like, yes. oh. Um, uh, so, Doug, he's all over Parker, abdominal stretch, powerbomb, strangling with the bandaged ears, knees in the tree of woe. He is actually trying to hurt the ribs. He hits him with a chair on the outside. Again, not very strong and in front of the referee. And um, Priest mentions that the referee doesn't want to end this on a disqualification and then says the, if the match ends on a DQ or a count out, the title can't be awarded and they have to come back and do this again next week. Why? It's a tournament <laughs> final. If Doug gets disqualified, Parker wins the match, which means he wins the tournament, which means he wins the fucking title. Admittedly, it would be a lame finish, but per the rules of pro wrestling, he would still win the belt because it's not that kind of title match. For the second Scott Parker match in as many episodes, he takes a chair shot to the back of the floor right in front of the referee, as I just mentioned. Um, he kicks out of two lion salt style moonsaults and then gets his knee up on a third. I don't think I've ever seen Doug do more than one in a match. I was amazed he did three in a row. <laughs> Yeah, there was there was really good insults. Oh as yeah, well. yeah. He's always been able to do that. 
Uh, probably not these days. Um, he misses a spear in the corner, hits the post uh, a la Goldberg. Uh, Williams gives him a backbreaker, prompting Angel to get up on the apron. And because it's 2001, Doug forcefully kisses her. Uh, she thankfully at least pushes him back into a roll-up, but it's only for two. Uh, Doug goes up top, and you'll never believe this. Parker throws himself into the ropes, forcing Williams to crotch himself for the sixth time on these fucking tapings. At least this one's in a different corner. Honestly, I looked at my notes a minute ago, and I just seen the line in my notes, which was Williams gets testicular bruising as he's crotched on the ropes. (laughs) And it's Um, a babyface doing it this time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Parker hits a superplex. They then take ages to stagger in a full circle around the ring, confused about what to do next. Uh, Parker ducks a swing. Doug hits him with the Revolution DDT out of nowhere and wins. Yeah. It's just, it feels like such a flat finish for your your title final. They definitely forgot something or they were realised like they'd gone too long and they needed to take it home to fit it on TV or whatever. Yeah, it, it did seem to be very much out of nowhere. However... It does establish the Revolution DDT as a move that can come from anywhere and will be the end. Yeah. Because remember, it doesn't have the chaos theory yet. Ah, right, okay. Like, when I started watching Doug Williams matches, the Revolution DDT is like his secondary move. Alex Shane comes out. The hard cam mostly misses the other two corners of the pyro going off. My suspicion is they were all meant to go off for this match and someone hit the button early last time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you felt about this last bit, but... It felt like Ultimate Warrior winning the title, Doug Williams, and here comes Old yes. Cold and Alex Shane taking all the glory. Alex Shane wastes no time. No. The, 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 the bell rings, and that man is, right, I'm out here now. My yep. time, baby. Yep. My time. Yep. Uh, Williams and Shane give Parker a kick in and throw him out the ring. Guy Thunder then shows up and hits both heels with a spear and clears him out the ring. They barely sell it after the bump williams just celebrates with the belt and a smile in the aisle anyway <laughs> they both is it i've put oh wait it's guy thunder baby double spear from the goldberg shamrock of the fwa both Shamberg. really i forgot we Shamberg. called him Shamberg. Um, both lads just really no sell the spear they just yep. go to the they go out either side and just meet each other back again yep. and they're like hey you're the champ he might as well have just tickled them yeah <laughs> Just poor guy Thunder, man. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about this match? Flat. That's a, it's a very similar opinion to what Eddie said. Um, yeah. It, it was okay for like a five-minute match, but as a tournament final, just, yeah, they have a wet fart in church. Yeah. <laughs> just at the end, it's just, as I said, I think if you're trying, if this is supposed to be the final for your title and the, the main thing, you got to kind of try and have, you know, some kind of, like, big atmosphere pop. Or obviously, it's the heel winning, so it's kind of not there. But, yeah, the move does come out of nowhere, but it's just, yeah, it leaves it flat. They, them no-selling Guy Thunder is just so bad as well. Yeah, I think, were I, had I a say in this, which obviously I didn't, um, I would have ditched the um Travel and Sloan match and had these two go longer and made this episode just about this one match. Yeah, the way they started it where they had like the um the guys warming up, you know, getting ready and like, mm. oh, we're doing this. And if you had like interviews or people, you know, the wrestlers predicting who they think is gonna win and stuff like that, mm. just to build and give a bit more of a feel. Mm. But really it was just as 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 Andy said, 
stupid wet fart ending. Yeah. Didn't really mean anything. It's very similar to um, like UWA, I would say, where they give Doug like the title because he's like the the most dependent hand, but there's better better characters than him. Away. This would so happen like, a lot over the course yeah. of the FWA, unfortunately. Uh, and then there was the whole period where he was booked by Ring of Honor and Noah, so he had our belt and we couldn't use him. <laughs> <laughs> so we very much jump forward in time now. Remember back on the mm. first episode, there was an ad for a TV taping on July the 1st. Yeah. Didn't happen. The next show was July the 29th at the Pyramid Centre in Portsmouth. And this, episode 7... Remembering the previous episode was July the 13th. This episode didn't air until August the 30th. So this show has been off air for six weeks. Unless they ran repeats, which I don't know. They might have done because of some of the things, some of the commentary. So episode seven begins uh, (laughs) with Alex Shane and the security boys doing the naming the crew scene from Reservoir Dogs. They have gained an extra member. They have lost the man with the tied back mullet. I think only one of the originals remains, that being the man they end up naming Mr. Blue, but we all know him as Sticks. Yeah. Quick question for you, because you like this kind of thing, Andy. How old is the goateed, shaven-headed Sticks here? Oh, God. 22. Okay. You got any guesses, Eddie? Uh, I'll say 20. He's 19. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he would have been young because he's in his late 40s now. Uh, I saw something recently that said he turns 42 or 43 soon. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know this was supposed to be Tarantino, but the music made it sound like it was and I, and the opening, but made it feel like it was like a scene from a Guy Ritchie movie instead of a Tarantino movie. <laughs> Don't forget, they are also big at this time. Yeah, you know, uh, Lockstock has been out. Snatch has been out. Like Guy Ritchie is is a big deal mm. at this point. I quite like this segment. It's a bit cheesy, and it's obviously a total rip of Reservoir Dogs. But I remember it being very popular with the fans at the time. Like even when I was doing stuff, like people would be talking about this segment. Uh, Mister Blonde is Flash Barker. Yeah, chalk up another UWA guy. <laughs> You can spot him a mile off, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you you guys feel about this? <laughs> Mr. Yellow is called Yellow because he's a coward, and Mr. Brown sounds like Mr. Poop. Yep. <laughs> um, it, the, 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 the banter was kind of quite funny. I enjoyed it. Um, Alex Shane doing like the whole, <laughs> I don't really know you, you don't, I know all about you, I know everyone about you, but mm. this guy, uh, I don't know anything about him, but he's here regardless. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, again, he makes it entertaining. I enjoyed it. Cheese on toast for me. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the thing is with Alex Shane, you know, when you mentioned about Snatch and Lockstock, you can imagine him like in a background scene, couldn't you? Mm. like yeah. one of the heavies. Yeah, very much so. You, you know for his love of leather coats and uh, Vinnie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> he would definitely be in uh, Bricktop's crew in, uh, in Snatch, absolutely, probably. <laughs> so we are at the Pyramid Centre in Portsmouth, uh, which has a ramp, WCW style, that goes all the way from the entrance down to the apron. I always enjoy that in wrestling. Uh, it has a big scaffolded arch over the entranceway uh, and uh, some kind of 
like ghillie suit camo stuff hanging off it, like a camo net, and some very, very big Union Jacks <laughs> that you cannot miss in the hard cam. Yeah, like a more like a BNP rally than a bloody wrestling <laughs> I was wondering if they were going to play the national anthem before the even episode began. You know <laughs> what it also has. It's a shot of future FWA commentator Tony Giles in the front row. And then later on, a shot of a very young Max Voltage. <laughs> Not the only cameo. We will we will get to that later on as well. So, because Paul Travell beat Mark Sloan last week, he and his chosen partner, Jack Xavier, go up against the Castanos for the FWA tag title. I can see our most uh, northern contingent shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> There's like... Uh, there's a moment where like you see Travel, Xavier and the ref on the ring and the Castanos are are outside and I was generally from about maybe five, ten minutes trying to figure out which one of these three was Jack Xavier, which one of these were Paul Travel, and which one of these were the ref because they all were wearing black, black and looking t-shirt. almost exactly the same. There was maybe some differences, but I'm just like, hold on, which one is this again? Like, I couldn't even tell Xavier and Travel apart, and I just watched a match with Travel. <laughs> This is the uh, FWA TV debut of referee Andrew Coyne, who will be around until we are done with this company. He's in Australia now, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, it, is it Melbourne City Wrestling he works for? Melbourne City Wrestling, yeah. yeah, yeah. The uh, Take a shot. The white balance between the cameras is fucking horrible. It looks like we are in two different countries. You know how if you know a character in a movie in a thriller goes to mexico it always has this particular tint on it and if they go to canada i don't know that has a different tint on it each of these cameras win a different country <laughs> uh travel and jack win a brawl but the colombians come back with head scissors hit properly this time and dives uh back inside the baby faces slam the champs and go up top but the new breed run out and attack everyone forcing a no contest in a whopping 92 seconds five stars <laughs> the opening babyface attack two of the one babyface and one heel I, I genuinely can't tell any of them apart I'll be completely honest um, look so nervous to hate each other yeah it, it's like uh, 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 oh, 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 uh, and it's just uh, what I think it's a lot of people's inexperience showing probably yeah yeah um, what, what, one thing as well that's noticeable during this first match, uh-huh. and I think throughout this show and maybe episode eight, is Mark Priest commentating in the toilet because I, I could hardly <laughs> hear him over the noise, over the crowd noise. Yeah, yeah, the sound is so. I was I had to turn my sound all the way to the top, and I was like, "Am I hearing him? Is he stuck somewhere?" <laughs> uh, the Castanos leg it, and the Breed and the Hazardous Saviors fight back to the locker room. Uh, we get a flashback to Doug Williams beating Jodie Fleisch and Scott Parker to win the tournament, and then Doug has teleported into the ring, and he's complaining on the mic about having to come back to Portsmouth. Get me the commissioner. With a <laughs> with a Austin Powers music. Uh, I called oh, it Louis Farouk music. It was very like... Vicky Damon Fort appears. Uh, despite them both being heels, she claims she can't stand Doug Williams running roughshod over the FWA. Right. One, she wanted him to win the tournament. And two, there haven't been any shows since he won the tournament. What exactly has he run roughshod over? 
Yeah, I was like, because this was the thing. I was like, so I want to bet he's defended this belt a number of times, and I went and looked. He, he fucking no, he defended fuck all. No. <laughs> Uh, they cordially hand the one microphone back and forth as they argue uh, she says she's going to find someone to take the belt off him and he says there's nobody in the FWA that can stand up to the anarchist and she says he's right so she's gone outside the FWA and found someone Doug Williams knows very well please welcome our 12th UWA alumnus it is Kerry Cabrero Yay, UWA, UWA. I love this guy he looks so. Oh, he look, He's like a cast member of EastEnders or like Brookside has <laughs> been made to wrestle. Um, he was. He was uh, one half. No, he was approximately twenty five percent of a very entertaining team with Stevie Knight. Yes. Uh, <laughs> where is Stevie Knight? Possibly inside Kerry Cabrero, as he has doubled in size since we saw him in the UWA. <laughs> When we come back uh, from the ad break, Priest is filling in the blanks in Caprero's promo, explaining that Kerry and Doug are old enemies. Um, Doug says, you obviously cannot read. This is the FWA heavyweight champion. Ship. With that longer pause in between. Uh, William says he's not putting the title up against Cabrero because he's not done anything in the FWA. Um, he did, in fact, make one prior FWA appearance in March 2000, losing to Williams in a three-way dance that also included... Stevie Knight. Oh, what a surprise. Yep. Uh, these two aren't exactly Mike Maestros, but I did like the small detail of them using Linsky as an intermediary to hand the mic back and forth. Also, a second mic at this point is probably 50 quid from Maplin. Just fucking buy one. Hey, and funnily enough, there's a story there, isn't there? Because Linsky was involved in all that Kerry, Stevie. He was. Stuff in- yeah, way. back when he was an American. It was. <laughs> Although he hasn't spoken on TV yet, we don't know that he is uh, not American. Ooh, that is to come. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get a commentary free recap of everything that's gone on between Alex Shane and Guy Thunder, and then Alex Shane versus Guy Thunder. Did, did you think with this, though, um, the, um, where it showed like the promo battle bef- between the two? I was thinking, I'm sure I've not seen that before. Seen what? The promo battle with um, Alex Shane and Guy Thunder, where they showed it like a recap. Oh, like, yeah, they did. It was when um, uh, Thunder said, the only thing uh, you look like you've stolen is a plate of cakes. Ah, uh, yeah. It was, from, it was from several weeks ago. And don't forget, like, it's been a month since we ever sat down and recorded this oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was the, because I remember there was the bit where he offers them to be there. I liked it. I thought it was a really good build-up in terms yeah. of that. And yeah. obviously the head of security stuff. And yeah, yeah Sham- Shamberg, Shamberg versus Alex Shane, I'm really excited about. So. <laughs> Shamberg. Uh, so they start off big straight away uh Schoenberg escapes the one night stand hits a power bomb and clotheslines shane out to the floor alex shane ends up knocked to the floor within 10 seconds of his matches starting very very frequently uh the security guys will gather around so a bowling ball named guy thunder can drop them all with a flip dive no sooner have they got back in than mr blonde holds thunder's foot so shane can shane station them back outside again oh eddie's hand is waving and linsky's in the other corner and he's watching it clearly and not doing anything yep. but he's, and he doesn't complain about it after <laughs> it he just lets them carry on then he maybe comes outside and gives them a little bit of a warning see uh, when i started working with the fwa linsky was very expressly a heel referee right and it is 
very hard for me to not retrofit that character onto him when uh, whenever I see him refing anything else. Mm. Um, so yeah, like, <laughs> I don't even notice that he doesn't care about chair shots and interference and that kind of thing. I I, I notice it because you know I get annoyed at it. I know, yeah. Yeah, and you, that's perfectly valid. Yeah, and listen, maybe people will realise he steals rings as well. So <laughs> for at least the third time on this episode, I'm going to tell you that somebody escaped a pile driver on the floor by backdropping their opponent. <laughs> Uh, Thunder clobbers Shane with a folding table and sets it up at ringside. And then back inside, Shane reverses a whip and hits a move we have yet, not yet seen. A mm. pump-handled diamond cutter. Mm. Who wants to tell me what this move gets named? Oh, I, I thought I had it down. No. I just have Mark Priest waxing lyrical about Guy Thunder. His fists are his words. And then uh, Shane has a move we've never seen before. Uh, I can't no. Uh, oh god! Um, it's not the fun. No, no, it's not the thunder driver. That's the problem, of course. The all over your face or something. <laughs> 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 Thankfully, you never our... had a move called that. <laughs> no, this uh, not yet. This would eventually be called the check up from the neck up. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the moves of Alex Shane, uh, Andy, do you remember when he used to do middle rope flipping leg drops in the UWA? I do. With the somersault uh, leg drop, I yes. put on Ominol's finely looking Chris. <laughs> well, it took him two years. Uh, Thunder flings Alex off the top and then goes up himself and leaps off with a flying nothing into a choke bomb. Uh, Priest starts talking about fake seven footers again, but you can't hear what he's saying because apparently he's doing this commentary from a small box under the ring. Um, <laughs> it's like the Rob Braden, like little man trapped in the yes, uh, yeah. trapped in the- <laughs> uh, Shane props Chekhov's table up in the corner. Uh, Thunder puts the brace on to stop himself getting whipped into it, but Shane sidesteps him on the return and Linsky gets wiped out with a spear. I'm sensing that your second least favourite character on this show, Eddie, is uh, Steve Linsky. <laughs> what? Honestly, what the, the the bump is awful on this. The, this is one of the worst ref bumps I think I've ever seen. Because <laughs> he's just holding his ribs like this guy Funders. Like the many people who have just decided, no, no, brother, that doesn't work for me. Selling <laughs> guy Funders uh, spear it is awful. Because <laughs> um, Linsky just holds his ribs. He doesn't go down for an extended period of time. He just kind of. Holds his ribs, looks away. All the stuff happens. He's still, oh, my ribs standing up. And then, yeah, oh, just awful, man. <laughs> I said, I expect you to be dead after a guy from the spear. That's what this, this, this guy should be like hot shit when anyone gets hit with a spear. But three people have decided to no sell it or barely <laughs> sell it at all. I think everybody's realized he's a shit Goldberg and he's not worth selling yeah, for. Schamberg deserves more. <laughs> well, Schamberg turns another choke bomb into a DDT, but Mr. Blonde, uh, realizing he's in the wrong place very swiftly, leaps over the ramp to go and pull him off the cover. And then the security lads mug him at ringside as Alex takes the ref. They take him up to the ramp where he double DDTs two of the security boys and then double spears two more. It was like Stone Cold, weren't he? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's trying to be every every bald guy with a goatee. Uh, 
he decks Mr. Blonde and goes to next Shane on the top rope, but Shane is too tall and too close, so he just gets the bottom of his ribcage pulled over the top rope. <laughs> Shane avoids another spear, which sends Thunder through the table, and then because he's Triple H, he has to hit his move to get the pin. <laughs> you can see him like building up the gang ready to hit it at one point when he's pulling off the rope. He's like, I'm in position for it. I'm going to hit yep. the one night stand. Boom. Yeah. Yep. For me, the structure of this was all fine, but it's obviously let down by Guy Thunder having all the charisma of dry white bread and Shane being a great dame with big paws. Like, these two are too clumsy to do this match. (laughs) A great dame facing a paint and paper white grey wall. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) It's <laughs> Eddie, you said you were excited for this match before it started. Were you excited when it finished? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I was excited to kind of that it was over and I never had to watch again. There was still entertaining. It was plunder galore and obviously stuff, but I, I'm very heated by that ref spot being the worst bump of the entire. Because there's another one that's coming up, which I even was even more annoyed about. It's just the fact. It's honestly just awful. And it like the spear, like even the spears on the ramp are just some of the worst spears I've ever seen. He's not getting any distance before he hits him. Like he's trying to do him off a single step and. He's not Goldberg. <laughs> it's like he's trying to play the role of a dog and he's like forcing his, like moving his head into people. <laughs> we did see, I think um, we did see one. I think it was a UWA one. We're going to keep bringing up that company a lot because almost everybody was in that company. Was It a, It was a UWA one where he actually hit the spear using the top of his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was on someone little like Johnny Storm. So like he didn't break his own neck, but. <laughs> Yeah, so it's very, it's very similar to, you know, when uh, Ralph Wiggum goes through the window on the, uh, <laughs> on the Simpsons. Can <laughs> <laughs> you just imagine Guy Funder saying, I'm in danger? <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah, some um, of the worst spears I've seen, man. Jesus. Well, we still got more to come. Uh, we get more changes to the credits. Ross Hutchinson has been removed from the writers, uh, but he's still on the production crew with Dino Scarlo now added. Uh, and the camera crew now adds Peter Allen, Vince Beaton, and Nick Purdom, whoever those people are. I think I know who Peter Allen is. I think I did some shows did, with him at some point. Did, did you also notice with this production list that Alan Boone and Mark Priest both had credits here? Yeah. They are literally two different people. <laughs> I don't know who this album Boone is that we're talking about. So, finally, episode eight, September the 6th, 2001. Austin Powers music, Get Me the Commissioner. Is it an actual tune which has Get Me the Commissioner in? All of the music was made by Ralph Cardle, Rusty Music. Yeah. Um, I may have this track somewhere. <laughs> oh, I was thinking, God, this is terrible. Fifties oh. dance hall. Commissioner. <laughs> 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 so we hear a uh, mysterious bad American accent with no phone filter uh, calling uh, Miss Demon for at home. Uh, it's all a bit weird, and she hangs up on him. Uh, she goes to make some popcorn and the voice rings back, but this time on her Nokia 3310 that she has with her in the kitchen because it's 2001. How does this guy have the landline number and the mobile number? What the fuck is going on? 
<laughs> Don't forget, within the canon of this show, she already has one stalker in Mark Priest because he's admitted to sneaking into her her dressing room and taking photos and selling them on eBay. This entire thing, I could not look at it. I couldn't take seriously. I couldn't watch. You're not it was just to. I just couldn't watch it. The entire bit was like, hello. <laughs> What's your favorite wrestling match? It's only slightly better than Linsky's American accent for his UWA character. <laughs> this is, of course, a parody of the opening scene of Scream. I'm getting ready to watch a movie now. Which movie? Just some boring wrestling videos. Firstly, a wrestling video is not a movie. And secondly, you've just called your own product boring. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when quizzed, she says that Alex Shane might be her favourite, and the voice replies that he likes Doug Williams' style because he plays by his own rules. Uh, he asks if Doug has a title, and she says yes, but she's not going to give this mysterious voice a title match. Uh, very presumptuous to think that this is a wrestler on the other end of the line. Uh, he then asks if Scotty Rock has a title, and she says he does, and he is due a title defence, and asks if the voice wants a shot at that belt. Um, he asks her name, and she says why. Uh, and he says, because I want to know who I'm looking at. And she spins around and we see a figure very briefly in the ghost face mask. And he, that mask gets whipped off. And it is UWA refugee number 13, Johnny Storm. Hello, it's Johnny Storm here. <laughs> like a mixture of a, like a English cranky. <laughs> He says he's back, and thanks to you, Vicky, FWA Gold will soon be around his way. So I guess movie parodies are a legally binding contract for a title match. I mean, to be fair, if we look at this whole thing as seriously, he should be arrested for breaking and entering. Yes. So technically, you know. Yes. What's <laughs> uh, well, so he's using that catchphrase again, the um, styling action. Styling action was always his catchphrase. Yeah. Um, uh, did anybody notice what he was wearing? Hopefully some clothes. Um, <laughs> Bear in mind, he's a wrestler and they are known for just walking around in their pants and boots, Andy. <laughs> oh he was wearing a t-shirt that said Job Squad on it. Oh, yes, he was wearing the yeah the WWF Faction Job Squad one, I think. No, it's not the WWF oh. Faction Job Squad. No, oh. Job Squad was a fan night that LSR ran at a Star Trek-themed bar in Victoria, London. Oh. Um, all of this was shot in LSR's flat. Uh, I have been there several times when I was doing stuff from the company. Like I can remember the layout of that place. And if you want to play movie critic, uh, how do we feel about the uh, the film parodies we're getting? Uh, this one in particular. I think I think my review of this um, when I seen it was uh, probably half a star on IMDb and it's straight <laughs> from a, a, like a porno version of Scream. <laughs> Which could still just be called Scream. Yeah. Could be called Scream, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it's just, oh my God, it, it's so bad. It's so bad it's good, I would say. Yeah, and I think it's like in like, oh, what's the name? It's like Neil Breen kind of like movie style. Oh, it's, or like, it's better than Neil Breen. Tommy was all acting. I, yeah, I was like, I will, I will go to the room or Birdemic, but not Neil Breen. <laughs> But it was just, it was, yeah, like, she, 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 she was just showing the scene of the popcorn being made and stuff like that. I'm just like, 
what is this? <laughs> the, the thing is, until she said it was popcorn that she was making, I thought she was making a chickpea curry. <laughs> or again, a bit of Nigel, Nigella action going I on. have to say, I personally have never made popcorn in a pan. To me, it comes in bags that go in the microwave. I think the whole idea is obviously in the actual Scream movie, it's the it's the, the American foil version, but they got the foil. It's, it's yeah, the tension. Yeah, the point is not that the character is making popcorn. The 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 point is like the tension that's being added to the scene of the bag expanding. Yeah, and then I mean, when she buries the product by you know saying, "I'm just watching some boring wrestling," I was like, yeah. "You're the commissioner." Yes, you know, you should be you know focusing on the product, not you know burying it. Yeah, I wonder how many how many more of these we're going to get going forward. I- I'm very, I'm very curious about the background of Victoria de Montfort because I want to know who who sold her on this. What was the pitch? What so, was the idea? Um, there was a little note, firstly, um, from uh, former wrestling photographer Phil Jones, uh, who said she was named Victoria de Montfort, so her initials would be VD. Yes, it's the wrestling of 2001. Um, and... Uh, she was an actress who's, uh, I got this from our deep throat. Uh, she was an actress whose only other credit is a cradle of filth music video that LSR directed. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's someone LSR. All right. Okay. Yeah. Be- uh, uh, deep throat also said the film skits were their attempt to be a bit postmodern and <laughs> quote, we definitely didn't succeed. Uh, there was also <laughs> supposed to be one on Jack Nicholson's speech in A Few Good Men, the You Can't Handle the Truth one, but it didn't work. Who was that with Alex Shane? Or probably. Who knows? <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Uh, yeah, so apparently if you can find the video for Her Ghost in the Fog, you will see Victoria de Montfort being, I don't know, doing whatever she does with Cradle of Filth. Um, so... Uh, I, do you know what? I don't mind the idea of these like little movie parody scenes. I think they help give the company a bit of an identity and make it. I can see Eddie googling. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, uh, there's something else I'm preparing for. Okay, okay. Yes, um, um, I uh, yeah. I, I think they give the, the company like a little bit of an identity and make it stand out from like other wrestling products on TV. Not that there are many other wrestling products on TV at this point, but no. But I think they're, they're. I think they're trying to understand the youth of the day. Yeah. Um, and not being like a boring like oh these are wrestling matches and there's promos. They're trying to think outside the box. Yeah. And kind of go right. Okay, so this is currently in at the moment. You know, even though Scream came out in 1996. Yes. But but they're still going. The world moved a lot slower then. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like DVD had only just really become a thing in around this time. Um, yeah. Like most people were still buying VHSs. Um, it would be a year from a movie being in the cinema to coming out on VHS. Yeah, I'm going to pretend not to show my age, grandpas, and just kind of go, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Eddie, do you know what a videotape is? <laughs> yeah, I know what a videotape is. No, I'm, I'm not that young. <laughs> This is where we find out he's 15 under that beard, isn't it? <laughs> Just take off every time we, we, we record something. Um, yeah, like, and as I say, I think, you know, with the ECW stuff, there was, like, I think there there was stuff within ECW that I remember they were doing that was kind of not massively film-based, but there was stuff like it. So I yeah. get it, and I think it's it's quite interesting. I mean, this episode is, is all Victoria. There's, like, quite a consistent amount of Victoria in this. Yeah, there is. Um, we go to... 
the Pyramid Center, uh, where Mark Priest is drowned out by the crowd and Kerry Cabrero's music. Uh, before we cut to Shane's hideout, where he has gathered the goons to tell them about Cabrero's arrival, and that Doug uh-huh. Williams has asked him to be Kerry's roadblock. Uh, Alex says, unfortunately, he's busy. Uh, and he looks down his row of heavies who all turn away and avoid his gaze. And then Mr. Blue kind of gestures with his head in the direction of Mr. Blonde. And Shane poses the question. And Mr. Blonde nods in acceptance. He will go and fight Kerry Cabrero. I like that this was all done in a single shot. Mm, yeah. not yeah. It was quick, quick and to the point, yeah. which I liked. And I like the um, idea that this gang of idiots like has a hideout where they plot schemes and stuff. And Alex Shane keeps calling Doug Williams the analyst. He calls him the analyst. Analyst, yeah. Yes, yes. That will continue for, at minimum, another two years. <laughs> Longer, I, I, actually. I kind of, I kind of got like when Kerry Cabrera the entrance. I got kind of like very good, like big baby face energy from him. Mm. Yeah. And then I was like, I, I wonder if he's like this guy, and what if he's like this outside the ring. And then I went to his cage match. Mm-hmm. And he only has one review on his cage match. Uh-huh. And it says, had the fortune or misfortune to be alongside him years ago. He comes across to wrestling fans as a face, but behind the scenes he is rude, narcissistic, arrogant, especially to the new guys in the business. Uh, some of the guys warned me he could be more like Kerry Katona than Kerry Cabrera. <laughs> <laughs> they were right. Worked with him once, never again. I hope he learned to be more respectful in the more recent years. Oh. <laughs> so when we covered him like doing the Andy and I covered him doing the UWA stuff uh, we said that he was one of the few people who was still kind of a work rate guy in this down period of British wrestling like he was mm. he was a guy doing moves from the 90s slash you know 2000 as opposed to the what I'm going to call the all-star product of the time of just go in and do the bare minimum, sell the foam fingers and fuck off to the next town. Mm. Um, yes, I, I don't know any uh, anything about him behind the uh, behind the scenes there, but that is not the most flattering of reviews from a, from a colleague. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I'm looking at his cage match and I'm really interested to watch his matches against David Flair from uh, Germany. Oh, good Lord. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> that, that was the David, probably the David Flair, like, um, camps run. Yeah, 2001, He's uh, yeah. there's a match here, Kerry Cabrero and Scotty Riggs against Doug Williams and Robbie Brookside. <laughs> Some of these matches, they just look hideous. <laughs> but yeah, like just seeing that comment and like, I was like, oh, this guy seems like it would be quite good. And then just suddenly, nope, someone has absolutely went and buried him. This was in September 2022. So this person has kept this hate for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Must have heard one of our reviews, Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> so it is Kerry Cabrero versus Mr. Blonde. If Kerry wins, he gets a shot of Doug Williams' title. Uh, despite Kerry's extra timber, they start at quite a pace and they're hitting each other pretty hard. These two, I seem to recall, they had one of the better matches we saw on the UWA stuff. Yeah. Blonde suplexes Cabrero onto the ramp, which makes it sound like they've just fallen down the stairs. <laughs> And Priest puts over how hard it is by saying that wrestling rings are built with some give as we'd be stupid not to protect our athletes, is his quote. But the ramp obviously isn't built for that. I quite like that, actually. Explaining like how this hurts more than the ring. 
Mm. Uh, Blonde is working over Kerry, mostly with strikes and then punching him in the nuts after distracting the ref. Uh, Kerry shakes off a power slam, comes back with a suplex as Doug Williams appears on the ramp. Blonde attacks the distracted Cabrero from behind, beating, battering him some more, and then he takes a turnbuckle pad off and throws it away to misdirect our favourite referee, Steve Linsky, uh, and goes to whip Kerry into the ropes. Unfortunately, this is the moment Doug Williams chooses to run down the ramp to hit Kerry with the belt, but Cabrero reverses and Blonde runs into the belt, turns around into Kerry's trademark flatliner, which is not a flatliner, it is D'Lo Brown's Sky High. He's always called it this before you get on Priest's case, Eddie. Uh, And uh, Kerry gets the pin. (laughs) The chops in this match. Mm. Bloody hell, some of them are like gunshots and that uh, suplex on the wooden ramp oh yeah there was lots of this that was just like mm, like very like very like kind of uh, meaty in terms of kind of like the the, the, the hits they're giving each yeah. other and it, yeah and it works like I didn't like, Mr. Blonde like some of like, he looks actually quite the part he's one of those ones who I think kind of like okay you'd think okay he's one of the security guards so he maybe won't look that good but in the gear and stuff like that he looks yeah I, the part. I think he was brought in because they wanted a security guy that could wrestle mm. and don't forget all of the others are Our young trainees. guys yeah again one of them is 19 one yeah, of them yeah. looks about 50 the bald lad <laughs> with the glasses he looks like he's the dad of the rest of them <laughs> Uh, there's just parts of it but it's like yeah and it's like it's a good match this actually feels like quite and it's good story yeah. like the Cabrero Doug Williams stuff is actually stuff I've enjoyed mm. I don't know about the history because it didn't and um you know but that was another thing it was um, I think uh, I don't know whether it was did Priest maybe tell a little bit more about the information on it but you could kind of tell they didn't like each other Doug and, and, yeah. and uh, Cabrero and the fact that he walks in and demands a tail shot, but then there's valid points from Doug, and then there's valid points yeah. from pre uh, from Cabrero. Uh, this is like a story I actually quite enjoy. And this match was quite good. I enjoyed. I'd give it a three. Mm-hmm. How do you feel, yeah, Andy? I, I, I think I was I was saying about three three and yeah. a quarter on this. It, 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 I think soon as a new like, oh flashback is going to be wrestling on this soon. It, I remember because he, he only had like a couple of appearances on UWA, and he was good then. I think yeah. he mentioned the uh, Kerry Cabrera match, and yeah, worked very well. Decent shift uh, by both lads. Yeah, yeah, per- perfectly decent TV match that fitted into a story they're telling. Mm. Um, Commissioner Vicky is backstage next to the blandest wall ever, but apparently they couldn't avoid the one light switch, <laughs> and in walks the Rock. Scotty Rock. Um, she tells him he's due to defend his All England title. Yes, he is now officially the All England title uh, holder. <laughs> I did a Doug Williams championship there. Um, there are brownie points coming for someone in a bit, and I'll mention it in a little bit when we get um, there Please refer back to episode one where we cover the absolute mess that is the inception of the All England title. <laughs> uh, she tells him he needs to defend it against Johnny Storm. <laughs> I pissed myself when he bellows Jonathan Storm <laughs> He's either trying to hit on Victoria or scare her and yeah. then they're having this conversation and as soon as she tells him he's gonna be in a match, he immediately goes, Right, I'm cutting a promo yes, now. Yeah. This is what I'm focusing on. Yeah. 
it was, weren't it? So, like, they'd, they'd finish one scene, and he's like, oh, shit, there's a camera there. I better shout. Hey. Um, <laughs> Jonathan so Storm. She's, she says, after the scream incident that opened the show, she wants Rock to cripple him, saying that good things come to wrestlers who please their commissioner. Suspended. Should be suspended for trying to advise a wrestler to cripple another take her license away. <laughs> It's on camera, so it's not like she can. It's not like she can defend herself. It's on camera. Uh, we zoom into Rock as he launches into his promo, and it's quite a good thing because it looks like uh, Demon Fort was about to start laughing as she turns away and walks off screen. Um, he says he's from the back streets of Bethnal Green, calling himself the New England Champion, um, and then he shouts a lot. And I've got no idea what his closing line was. He just bellows like a wrestler. <laughs> like we said before, from the Phil Power School of Wrestling Promotions. Oh, you know, well, well from that. Yeah. Back from the break, and Vix is in what looks like a rundown doctor's waiting room. Uh, we can, in fact, see the same wall and the same light switch as the previous promo. Uh, and the Castanos <laughs> and Travel and Xavier are in here with her. She is pacing, and she is vexed. This felt like Dixie Carter bollocking the TNA locker room. <laughs> Which, again, doesn't exist yet. Stop stealing my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria has the atmosphere of Dixie in the uh, I'm losing complete control of this company. Um, I'm really surprised. If someone quits this company and she grabs onto their leg, the man stays <laughs> I'm Victoria's Dixie. <laughs> A topless new breed enter. Not through the door we can see in the shot, but from behind the camera, and our screen is almost filled with Phil Curve's full back tattoo. Holy fucking shit, the size of this thing. <laughs> because he's been wearing a T-shirt the whole time we've seen him. I'd completely forgotten about it, and then there it is, right in front of the lens. It's like, it's like bloody hell, it's a ten-foot cock and balls, man. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, he does not have a ten-foot cock and balls tattooed on his back. It's some sort of Chinese swordsman. <laughs> At least I would know what the. At least I know the difference between the new breed. If if I, if I saw them wrestling, if he was chewing off that, otherwise, but, but only just, from behind. That's yeah, <laughs> like that's him. That's the man, officer. Um, this this segment is like it's weird because like La Familia are there, and then Xavier Xavier and Travella there, and then the new breed there, and obviously they're supposed to, like they're all just like being a bit civil, not massively being problematic towards each other, even though like the La Familia took the tiles from the new brood mm. and then they yeah this segment was just like right okay Victoria shouts at them she's very very cross with them for being late yes she also towers over all of them she looks like she's about six foot four in this segment <laughs> yeah she really does and the, yeah it's um and then obviously she randomly talks about it like i could just take the belts away from you yes and and la familia have this thing and it's been over the time they've since they've been in it that they don't care about winning them they don't care about the belts they win the belts they throw the belts to the ground yeah in this segment when she's talking about throwing the belts away they get a bit kind of like uh well hold on a second yeah. here and it's like, well, make up your minds, lads. You either don't want the belts, so you like the belts. <laughs> I think it's, a, I think it's like a proto Naito thing. Uh, you know, they. Uh, it, what was it? I once uh, saw Naito's character described as um, the guy you know who says he doesn't give a fuck, but in fact gives all the fucks. 
<laughs> and I think it's a bit like this: like they they pretend they don't care about the belts, but really they do. Um, mm. you know, maybe you know, being champion gets you an extra fiver in your brown wage packet when you when you're done with the show. And anyway, the upshot is a meal deal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the upshot of all this is they'll have a three way match next week, and she chucks them all out, which crashed the YouTube app on my TV, and I had to reboot my TV to finish watching this show. <laughs> Plug for the music, mate. Plug for the music coming up. Did you know when Mark Priest likes to get down his funky parties, he likes to play the FWA music CD, which I have in my cupboard over there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They sold that for years. I remember going to a show. It would have been one of the 2004 shows and actually reading the back of it and going, who the fuck are half of these people? (laughs) And then when I got the CD, I listened to it, and everybody's theme tunes had changed, and they weren't the ones on the disc. (laughs) So, Jonathan Storm versus Scotty Rock, FWA All England title. They start exactly the same way as the Alex Shane-Scott Parker match with the the Butlins, Yay Boo stuff. Priest explains the kayfabe transition to calling the title the All England title. Professor Roberts has his hand up. You approve? Very, very, love this. Love this. What yeah. if, it was for someone who doesn't understand it, other than obviously you explaining it to me. If I hadn't <laughs> had that explanation and I was watching it without doing this podcast, I'd be like, right, that makes sense. Good job on doing <laughs> yes, that. Yes, that makes sense. That he, he is a gypsy who won it at a fairground. <laughs> yeah, that makes so that you know that for me as the casual fan, you know, not being discriminatory of you know the fact that they keep bringing up he's a fighting gypsy and his caravans parked outside, um, and uh, the heat is seething out of you is one of those things or something like that. The, yeah, I was like, right, okay, I know now. I, okay. I, I know this. <laughs> Despite making a creepy phone call and breaking and entering to open the show, Johnny Storm is the baby face here. Uh, and Rock kicks the shit out of him. <laughs> Until he hits a kind of tricksy bulldog and a drop kick off the middle rope. Uh, cut to a young Ian Logan looking bored off his crust at ringside. He will be uh, an FWA trainee and then wrestler and then eventually portray the character of Jeff Garrett in IPW UK. Um, back in the ring. Was it, a, was it a Jeff Jarrett um, tribute act? Sort of, yes. It was. I don't know how many times he did it. He certainly did it for at least one battle royal I saw where he came right. out to Jeff Jarrett's music and did the whole strut thing and then got chucked out immediately. I would have loved if he cut a promo when he did, and instead of Jeff as in J double F, he went G E O double F. Yes, yes, that was the gimmick. We have described the entire gimmick. My world, baby, my world. <laughs> uh, Storm flips out of a backslide and gets a rolling sunset flip out the corner for a two count, and then goes back to getting his ass kicked. Um, Michinoku driver split leg moonsault gets Johnny in the fall, but Rock comes back with a top rope Frankensteiner. Uh, Rock gets a chair, which referee Andrew Coyne confiscates mid-swing, but Rock avoids a storm superkick, and Johnny kicks the chair into Coyne's face, knocking him down. The ex-referee is shaking his head again. Uh, Do you need to refer to the uh, referee's handbook? The wrestler sells the regular superkick more than the ref (laughs) sells the one with a chair shot. they got tough refs. They only hire the hardest refs so they can take these bumps and carry on going. And apparently Mark Priest loves Johnny Storm in a manly way and he, he does talks and I was like, that's quite sweet, but also quite like, you know. 
as Eddie alluded to, there is a second super kick without a chair on Scotty Rock, and uh, Johnny Storm gets a visual pin and then a two count when the referee wakes up. <laughs> One thing I will say is yep. the pop the crowd give to the false three count. Yeah. Um, we get a random cut to the audience in the middle of a variation on the crotching on the top rope spot, for fuck's sake. Um, Storm is up there for a moonsault, and Rock just walks over and punches him in the dick. Um, Storm kicks out the subsequent powerbomb, and we cut back to the crowd, and if you're not distracted by the topless man at the back of the shot, you will notice Leroy Kincaid sitting right next to the camera. <laughs> uh, he would, uh, for people who don't know, he would go on to be, we will see him as a member of Alex Shane's security, later on in this and then after we finish our run he actually becomes a proper wrestler um and now he is a film director he makes low budget action movies rock hits the bethnal green jam but uh storm kicks out storm reverses a corner whip and charges in rock boosts him up over his head but storm lands on the middle rope and comes back over rock's head and hooks him with a hurricane rana for the pin this is the super rewind hurricane rana yeah it has maybe a 60% hit rate, but if I may, 60% of the time, it works every time. When it goes right, it looks great. Unfortunately, yeah. I think I've seen him miss it more than I've seen him hit it. I think this one was a bit of a mess, but he still kind of worked. It was okay. I have seen them go way worse than this, and I've also seen him hit it perfectly. There was one where he goes for, I think during the match, he goes for a sunset, and it looks a bit mm. meh. And I think, but like, that's the thing. I think with Storm, from what I've seen, it's he has like a percentage rate where, as you say, 60% it works. Mm. Some of the times it doesn't. It kind of just depends on how who he's in the ring with, I'd say, probably. And, and how tired he is, to. because everybody practices these moves when they get to the building and they, you know, they're, they're all fresh. They mm. never think about how this is going to go when everybody is covered in sweat and they've been doing this for 10 minutes. Yeah. It's all, it's almost like a penalty shootout, isn't it? You played a ninety minute match and then you've got a penalty <laughs> yeah. shootout. You... <laughs> yeah. But, but, but yeah. I was gonna say with Johnny Storm, you, you said uh, he's like if he gets it right sixty percent of the time. Do you only know if he's done it right if he goes like get in there? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't do the Randy Orton like leap in the air box splits if he hits his if hits his move correctly. <laughs> And again, one of the other things as well, from what I can see, like building up this FW, we talked about it with um, with Doug and, and Jody on the first couple of episodes. Johnny is one of those wrestlers in this who looks like properly the part, and Apart looks like from him being about five foot five. Yes, yes. He, he can, <laughs> I kind of also call he's kind of like um, again, he's another one who looks a little bit like he's going for an X Pack tribute act. Yes, um, yeah. but. Yeah, like he's one of those ones, and obviously because we know as he goes on, he's he's a mainstay of the scene. Mm. Um, but he's one of those ones who's like you can tell if any of these FWA guys are going to go any far. Unfortunately, it's not going to be like one other one. It would yeah, probably be Johnny Storm. He he's got some charisma and he can work, mm. which is you yeah. know the total opposite. Of something like poor guy <laughs> Thunder. <laughs> Schamberg Schamberg looks like he's trying to do cosplay. Yes. Johnny Storm is, is, is wrestler. Yeah. Um, what, one thing as well, uh, Mark Priest signs off the show with his uh, he shouts, get back to your caravan, Scotty Ross. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but uh, apart from that, it was, I, I thought, a very good match. Um, 
maybe a bit there was a sloppy bit at the start where Scotty Rock uh, Scotty Rock Scotty <laughs> Rock that's the one with hair that's the one um, does like it tries to do a clothesline but he just like coughs Johnny Stone's back of his head. <laughs> it's like a it's like a really bad lariat. I thought yeah, it was yeah. an awful like sale on it. Um, mm. I think this episode, episode eight, has the two wrestling matches that I'm okay with. Yeah, like yeah. they were okay for the stuff in and The only problem with episode eight was kind of some of the <laughs> the, the acting and the promos. But really, you can't <laughs> complain about that because they're not actors. You know, the acting is not going to get any better. Um, no, I didn't like the eventual winner of the match also getting a visual pin and a long two count why yeah. what is that what is that accomplishing it, yeah. it just basically buries uh, the other fella doesn't it Pretty so much, it's like, yeah. basically, basically he's pinned you twice mate you shit yeah, yeah. so uh the credits have changed again uh <laughs> ralph's surname is finally spelled correctly card all not cardell uh, and graham hughes is listed on the production crew uh, Graham Hughes was a Mark Sloan trainee who wrestled around the UK for a few years and then moved to New Zealand and now runs mm. the Hughes Training Academy and its attached wrestling promotion in Auckland. Wow. Uh, wow. And I remember him as being a really nice guy. How far these people have spread. Yeah, so there we go. That's episodes five through eight done. Uh, how do we feel about it so far? How do you feel about the venue change? Um other than kind of as as Andy said, when it looks like kind of the venue for you know a rally um, yeah. <laughs> uh, with those big Union Jacks, um, I was kind of wondering if Nick Griffin was going to make an appearance, but thankfully he didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought like it's a nice venue. It's mm-hmm. better than the the dusky. I mean, another dusky atmosphere kind of place. Mm. Um, well, a little bit more kind of yeah, little, definitely normal wrestling venue that you would see in that kind of time, but. These episodes were good. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I there was you know there was cringe acting, but there was kind of fun stuff, and the episodes are short and entertaining, and they get to the point about things they're doing. I definitely think one of the strengths is, and it can also be a weakness in some cases. One of the strengths is each episode going less than half an hour. Mm. Yeah, like it's very easily digestible. It's very easy to to watch. I think even the bad stuff is funny. <laughs> yeah there's there's stuff there and it's mm. you know and it's enjoyable i, I you know i've not and in all, all the episodes i've watched i've never felt like these are a slog and i have to get through these because mm. i've not i've done no research on them i've watched them and i've found these yeah. are you know like here's alex shane okay i'm gonna get an entertaining match and probably an entertaining promo at some point mm. um you know you know with when doug williams i know i'm gonna get a decent match Although I did feel that one, you know, the, the one winning the belt was a bit flat. But the one thing, mm-hmm. um, and not the ref bumps, because, you know, yeah, I'm joking <laughs> about them also. I am, you know, annoyed. But um, the commentary, I just think, if they had a second person, yeah, and Mark Priest was not trying to do both jobs, this would probably be a little bit more easier. I could then stomach Mark Priest a little bit more. I think what he is doing is not necessarily bad. It's just misplaced. And you're right. He needs a straight man. Yeah, because as I said, he's trying Joey Styles mm. stuff, but he's doing more character. It's like Cyrus the Virus mm. yeah. with with Joey Styles bits in it. It just doesn't work. Mm. 
you need to have you need to have someone there who's going to call it down and i fought for a second from the first episode i thought there was a guy doing that because i could hear a secondary co- second commentary track <laughs> we covered why that was <laughs> um but no it was just him so uh, yeah um there's yeah I'm, I'm excited to watch the next couple of episodes and see what happens because i don't know what's gonna i know there's the only thing that we've got pla- that the planned is the Kerry cabrero um doug williams match other than that and the the freeway tag mm-hmm. match but other than that i'm kind of excited to see what else kind of happens at this point well we've only got uh three more tv episodes at the bnp rally and then we change uh then we change venues again Oh. Uh, so uh, mm-hmm. next episode, next recording we do will be another bi-locational special. Um, Andy, how about you? Um, I think for me, um, it, as Eddie has said, very easy watch. Mm. 25 minutes an episode. Can't beat it. Um, the first episode where it had um, Alex Shane versus, um, who is it, Scott Scott Parker? Mm-hmm. And well, I said, well, I said it with three and a half stars. Yeah. Everything I love about Alex Shane matches, just <laughs> a lot of fuckery, um, and just entertaining. The second episode with um, Mark Priest going on about Columbia and me and Fitz. <laughs> I, I know it sometimes takes away from the match, but if you if you're having a good chuckle <laughs> listening to the commentary, you know, on its own, I thought I thought that was very good. The um, the scream, oh no. Oh, <laughs> I don't think we are done with our movie parodies. I think there are more to come. No, I think with um, with, with that, it's, it's very much wrestle crap. And oh, it'd be it, it, you know, like if something like that turned up on, say, AEW nowadays. It, oh, it, 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 AEW would be finished. <laughs> just get it off telly now. I think it's the kind of segment that needs a bigger budget to work properly however you can't do it in a big budget promotion because it would look shit yeah like, because it wouldn't the only place you could do it would be something like lucha underground yeah but even then that kind of movie parody doesn't fit in with that style but you know it's, it has to be like that kind of level and budget of a promotion i think yeah um, yeah i mean they're doing what they can with what they have yeah um and i think what one thing i've been thinking about while while we've been do, doing this show is mm. um there's not been any minus five star matches yet, has there? There's been quite a lot of three, three and a half star, <laughs> yeah, like three, three or four, but possibly the uh, the Castanos versus um, the inbreed, what were they called? <laughs> yeah. um, that was that was dog shit. But there's no there's nothing of a Papa T level yet. I still thought that was better than the breed versus Sloan and Tie. Yeah. And oh. even that, as I mentioned last week, wasn't as bad as some of the stuff that you and I have watched on these previous shows. You know, yeah. that was not Tom Monroe versus Big Papa T, which I still think is the worst wrestling match I've ever seen in 40 years of watching pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the only bad match I think we've had so far is a match that only lasts about 92 seconds. <laughs> yeah. well, it's well, get- at least. That's you can't you can't more with that, but I think in summary, I think still really enjoying it because I'm I'm not I've never seen these shows. No, so neither have It's all fresh to me, mm, so yeah. enjoying watching it and uh, long may it continue. Tremendous. Well, uh, Andy, tell us uh, where you can be found on the internet if you want to be found. What's going on with GCP? All that kind of thing. 
Yeah, so um, you follow me on Twitter at Part 3 Also follow me at GCP Podcast 1. Um, we will have some live reviews um, coming up, uh, which will be BWR in Cleefops, uh, Wrestling Resurgence in Leicester, that, mm-hmm. uh, our, our yearly visit to Leicester, and um, yeah, many many other things we're doing. Uh, we're also currently doing a review of um, Five Star Wrestling, <laughs> going through the very short history of that company. So um, if you want to go and check the podcast out at GCP Podcast One, or check check all your podcast platforms for GCP Podcast, not the one about Google Cloud products. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Always a reminder to do your research before you name your show. <laughs> Eddie, how about you? Uh, you can find me on X or Twitter, uh, Eddie Sideburns, under the name of Five Star Wrestling Sideburns, because I am the proclaimed proprietor of uh, Five Star Wrestling, which will be coming out in the year 2029 with a 364 man wrestling tournament that will take place uh, over the space of two years. Um, Across all 12 continents. All 12 continents, including Antarctica. Can't wait to reach that territory yet, brother. Um, you can find me sometimes on the Arn and Ed Experience. You can also find Arn doing reviews of... He's going through the years in wrestling. I think he's on the 80s or something like that now or mm-hmm. something. And he's choosing matches. It's quite entertaining. So mm-hmm. um, I'll give him a shout out. Um, he's and an entertaining yeah, man. He is. He's a very yeah. entertaining man. I've seen him once give a middle finger to a ring, to a wrestling ring, and walk out of a show in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> um so yes um you can find me there uh on an experience if we do come back and other stuff there yeah cool uh i personally am at kieran edits but this show uh you can go to linkdr.ee slash fwa pod that'll give you all the ways to subscribe if you're not a subscriber already uh we are on twitter and blue sky at fwa pod and on instagram at fwa.pod because somebody else already had the name i wanted uh thank you very much for listening we'll be back in a month and there's two things you can do about it F-W-A. F-W-A.